Hello, I'm Alberto Salvato. Welcome to Crime Time, a Virginia criminal law podcast. I'm here with Anna Dvorak, Anthony Norse, and Ann Thayer. Enjoy the show. So here it is, legal disclaimer, because we are lawyers and we've got to write one. So if you are listening to this podcast, thank you. We sincerely hope you are listening to this podcast for its entertainment value and not with the intention of acquiring legal advice for any individual case or situation. I mean, come on, you wouldn't take advice from someone you have never met or spoken to directly, right? If you were bleeding profusely, you wouldn't listen to a podcast in hopes of a bandage somehow materializing over the internet and onto your 3D printer. Seeking actual legal advice can be just as important as a tourniquet. The hosts of this podcast are in no way intending to create an attorney-client relationship with any listener. Sorry, we are sure you all are great people, but we cannot stress enough how little we know of you and your case. And rather than risk an awkward moment, let us just remember we have never met. Nothing on this platform should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. We are just a group of friends with differing opinions and viewpoints, which we will try to explore through discussions of current events, law changes, and whatever else floats our fancy. In this episode, hold on, that's really abduction? We talk about the time when most of us don't think we're committing a felony. But according to a recent opinion in the Court of Appeals of Virginia, we are. In that case, a man with the last name of Brown was convicted of abduction, which is a felony, of an individual who worked for code enforcement. So this person had come to this guy's house to check out to see if he had remedied the violations. So he had a bunch of junk around the house and he was supposed to clean it up. She checked out his house and then she left and she went to the next driveway, at which point he pulled behind her car and came out and confronted her at the window of her car. And he said, I want to talk to you. You guys are harassing me. The government's harassing me. I want to talk to you now. And she said, no, you're upset. I don't want to talk to you. They're in a rural area. It's Charles City County. I don't even really know where that is. And they're not an even great cell service. Eventually, both parties call the police. Um, They reach the police and the police come. And eventually, this individual who's very upset about this person coming to his house and harassing him about code violations is arrested for the felony of abduction. Now, I think most of us would say that if we said to somebody, hey, I'm going to talk to you now, it wouldn't be considered abducting somebody. Abducting is also another word that we use when people take children and throw them into a van, like kidnapping, or we take somebody and hold them for ransom. That's what you think of when you think of abduction. You think about somebody doing something really terrible, not talking to somebody and not allowing them to leave until you're done talking to them. But the Court of Appeals believes that that detention, no matter how slight or that the person was not even touched by this individual, was enough for abduction. What do you guys think? In these facts, it says that while he was, had her blocked in and was on the phone with 911, he kept telling them that he had her blocked in. So that's never going to help anything. <laughs> right, that's not a good. That's not a. That's not a good way <laughs> like, to start. Remember, don't rat yourself out. We've been telling you that since we started the podcast. <laughs> well, what's interesting about this case? Abduction is defined by if by force, intimidation, or deception, and without legal justification or excuse, he or she seizes, takes, transports, detains, or secretes another person. Well, here in this case, there clearly wasn't any force. There was no deception. So they went on the whole intimidation aspect of it. And the Court of Appeals went on to list some of the reasons why she may have been intimidated. First of all, it was in a rural area with no neighbors around. She had really nowhere, no other way to go. And she had to escape by getting onto the grass and leaving. And the court said, look, 
it's not a matter of the, you know, they didn't say that this is actually always going to be abduction, but what they said is a rational trier of fact could come to that conclusion. That's why they affirmed it. Just, that's I think not what, the only reason, because the detention still has to be for to deprive that person of their personal liberty. So sometimes you detain somebody so that they don't get harmed. It still has to be to deprive them of their personal liberty, right? They might misconstrue, you seem upset, but they might be about to fall off a cliff or fall in a hole or a kid's going to run into traffic. You detain people to stop them from doing stuff, but not to deprive them of their personal liberty. And they had to find that additional element on top of the detention. Which, in this case, clearly they held that he did. They did that, and they said, what was interesting to me is, a rational trier fact could conclude the detention occurred when appellant blocked Russell's means of egress with his car, so Russell was the name of the worker, engaged in belligerent, psychologically imposing behavior that put Russell in fear of harm, did so in an area where it was swift assistance was unlikely, and consequently keep Russell where she was, even if impermanently, because obviously she did get out of the car, and she was able to reach somebody. But the detention does not have to be for a particularly lengthy period of time. Obviously, in the facts that we've given you a very short period of fact, but the facts don't have him putting his hands on her. He's not taking her anywhere. He's decided he wants to talk to her right then and right there. And she's not going to leave until they hash it out. But what's interesting is that he also called the police. They both called the police because he didn't like the fact that she was coming on his property. And one of the things he used, his defense attorney used to argue that he had legal justification to detain her was this statute. The Court of Appeals said, absolutely not. This is not legal justification. So there's a statute called 19259 that says that no officer of the law or any other person shall search any place, thing, or person except by virtue of and under a warrant issued by a proper officer the statute then says that any person who violates it shall be guilty of malfeasance in office and provides the form of relief in civil court for the aggrieved person. It creates a civil cause of action against a government agent. And the court was like, assuming in any way that this particular government agent ran afoul of the statute, that is not a legal justification to stop her and not let her leave and just have it out. And the court went on to distinguish that between situations where it is okay for a regular person who's not a police officer to, to detain somebody. And the example they gave was the loss prevention officers and, and, and storekeepers for keeping people for shoplifting. So if you are caught shoplifting, a store can detain you until police come. I see a lot of abduction cases coming from domestic abuse cases. And a lot of times it's as simple as somebody locking the door and telling their spouse, listen, let's just talk about this. Don't go anywhere. I want to talk to you. Don't leave. Don't leave. And that, of course, sometimes just standing in the door, not even locking it. That's right. Just standing in the door and not allowing somebody to get by you to walk outside. Well, the other Um, thing the court said here is that there's no time requirement. So it could be like a temporary, it could be a quick thing where you're like, no, I'm not letting you leave. It doesn't have to have a set amount of time that goes by before it reaches to a point where they can consider an abduction either. Right. It's very, it can be very momentary. Are you wrong? wrong. Let us count the ways. I'm I'm not even going to ask a question because I'm wrong. Go ahead. Go ahead. What's interesting about this, the statute doesn't say, and I haven't read the entire statute for a while, but the statute doesn't say that the victim has to feel as if they can't go anywhere. It just says if a person without justification or excuse does these things. So 
it has to have an effect on the person. So like if I'm sitting in what if the person's passed out? What if the person's passed out? Really, I mean the person doesn't need to be aware that they're being abducted to be somebody to be found guilty. I think you do. Yes. Because it's you're saying you were not free to leave. If I'm passed out drunk in a room and you come in and lock the door, you haven't abducted me. Unless I wake up and say, I'd like to leave, and you say no. What if it's a baby? Okay. Baby has oh my no God. Are you the guy in law school who's like, what if a ghost adversely no, but, left my house? But that's like, my point. They don't have to necessarily prove that the no, person thought that no, they were being abducted. Have to be in an, how do you? Well, I think it depends on if they go under the force, intimidation, or deception. So if they're going under the intimidation theory, I do think they have to prove that. Oh, well, yeah, that's it, different. I know, but that's what they went under here. Right. That this is an intimidation case because he didn't touch her. So force would be different if you take a baby and put the baby in the car. You don't need to prove intimidation, so you don't need to show the well, fear. Well, but you also, yeah, I mean, you can, and also that's different. Like you can abduct a baby with force, right? Exactly. Like what Ann said. You can abduct somebody, baby, an incapacitated person who cannot, you know, who who may not be able to. But articulate if you're doing the that, then that has to be by force or deception of some sort, which is a different. Then you're not getting into what intimidation requires and how they define intimidation. So two out of the three, you don't necessarily have to prove that the person felt as if they were being kidnapped. Well, or I mean, I'm not sure what they would say for deception. They might require, but that wasn't what this case was about. Well, you could base, you could trick somebody to like, if it's a deception, it's like you trick them like, to stay in the house because something is outside, like that keeps them in the house or you're going to be arrested. So you better stay here. And that's the trick to keep them inside. Right. All right. So using that, and, and I, I, I agree with you, but let's say a kid is deceived, goes to somebody's house, and then for some reason or whatever, somebody goes in there and discovers this and frees the child. I mean, even though the child didn't realize he was being duped, he or she was being duped, they could still charge that man with abduction because of the deception put well, them in there. So I don't think it's an at element. the same time, like it depends on, I think there's still, I mean, a baby's different, right? So if someone's taking a baby, often we see the situation in parental custody situations where obviously a baby can't testify. So a baby is taken by mom or dad, maybe against their custodial agreement, right? And so that's a fourth case, but it's really, you know, there's no justification. That's different. It's just different. I mean, it's- all I'm saying is it's not part of the element. It's not an element. You, they don't have to prove that the person knew they were being abducted. What I mean, what if the person was killed? They don't have, I mean, what the person right, felt. Right, they point. don't have to. Right. Well, if the person was killed, I think that kind of ends the question, right? We're not worried about the abduction charge. Not necessarily. You know, they might charge it just to show that it was, you know, they intended to kill him. So they abduct this person with the intent to kill. So, and then they charge him with the murder charge as well. It shows premeditation. I mean, why wouldn't they charge both? Right. No, you're, you're right. You're at, you're, no, you're, yeah, you're right. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. What did you say? I know it's hard. I, I want to finish my sentence. I, I cut out. Hold on. You cut out. Did you start that sentence with, you're right? You're right, Alberto. <laughs> Sadly, our podcast has come to an end. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. I have to go. Lightning has struck. <laughs> Correct. Right. But generally, the I would say, yes, the person, especially if it's a baby, isn't going to say that they were forced to go in a car, right? And that's not part of the elements. I think often... We prove abduction cases by the testimony of the person who was alleged to have been abducted, right? And generally, like in this case that we're talking about, and then this is an intimidation case. So Anne, as Anne would say, out of the three, intimidation, obviously you would have to have the effect of what you were saying, 
on this particular person. I think this is interesting because it's, it is a case where I think we see this type of interaction a lot of times. And I will also say we don't see people charged with felonies all the time in interactions like this. We have uncomfortable situations where people block people in. They want to talk to somebody, whether it's they got in a car accident with someone and that person seems like they're leaving. Well, I'm going to block them in. Right. You don't necessarily have a right. Someone's fleeing the scene of an accident. You don't necessarily have the right to do that. Wasn't this person actually offered a disorderly conduct by the prosecutor? He was. And what was interesting about this case is not only was he offered that, but the case went to a preliminary hearing and the general district court judge dismissed it, which means he found there was no probable cause or he or she, I don't know if it was a woman or a man, he found no probable cause to find that a crime had been committed. And the Commonwealth attorney still took the case to the grand jury. There was an indictment and there was a bench trial. And a bench trial means no jury for those listening. And he was convicted by the judge. And he wasn't given any jail time, but he's a felon for the rest of his life. This case did not seem... So one, this guy was offered disorderly. This is definitely a situation where, boy, you want that deal back, right? Just so people know, when we say disorderly, we mean disorderly conduct, which is a class one misdemeanor and not a felony. Although I'm not entirely sure abduction may be... No. It's one to ten. It's it's one to ten. And some types of abductions are, it's a class five felony, some types of abduction are registrable on the sex offender registry, but not crimes against children. Yeah. If you're abducting a child, if you abduct somebody, yeah, who's under 18. Unless you're a parent, that's a different, a different statute, statute. different statute. Yeah. Even though it's a child. It's really important in the cases we have, because a lot of times they don't just charge domestic assault anymore. They charge strangulation. They charge the preventing 911 calls. They charge abduction. abduction and how many times you go to court and it's really an abduction or it's really a strangulation case, they don't always have the facts to support it. And it kind of blends in a little bit to the domestic assault. But the message that we should get out to people is you're going to fight, you're going to argue. But if you're trying to detain someone and keep them there and that person wants to call the police, you could end up in the same situation where you're charged when you had no intent to harm or, you know, I've had them where the husband tries to just put the hands on the wife, say, look, let's talk, let's calm down. Doesn't even like prevent her from leaving the room. They're just trying to get her to talk. And they've charged that as abduction. And here's the thing is that what this case talks about is it's really what a fact finder finds. So there might be a jury or a set of people or a judge who thinks that the facts here would not have risen to an abduction. But the fact of the matter is the Court of Appeals said there was enough here to support a rational fact finder. And so if you decide like no jury is going to say if I hold my wife, you know, I hold her or my husband and I prevent them from moving maybe for a minute and say, look, let's talk. And they say, no, I'm leaving. And that's the amount of time that you hold them because they push you off and they leave. You know, you might be facing abduction charges and said, and while I feel as a defense attorney, it's a very trumped up charge and very unfair. And it's not why we have the abduction statute is it is often used to force people to take a plea to a domestic assault charge. It's still something to be concerned about. It's not a slam dunk win. It's not a BS case. We may feel personally it is, but we're telling our listeners to be really, really careful when you communicate with people. Don't touch them. Don't block their way out. They want to leave. Let them leave. You know, don't just say, I need to talk to you right now. We're going to have this out. Like the way this guy was talking to this woman. And again, you take all the surroundings together. She's in a car. He's blocked her in. They're in a rural area. You know, she's calling the police. He's at her window and she's 
you could be right. Maybe the person stole something from you. They hit your car in the parking lot, whatever it is. Your options there are to let it go or to call the police and report whatever's going on. Get the license plate, get whatever you can and let the police deal with it. If you take it upon yourself to block them in, to keep them there, you have every right to want answers. But if they don't want to stay and talk to you, you don't have the right to keep them there. It's very limited circumstances that would be okay in that regard. Would it have been different if it wasn't an agent of the Commonwealth? For instance, if it was somebody trespassing on your land, I mean, arguably you have a legal justification to hold them there. And I, I know Anna touched on this before. You have a legal justification to defend your property. Right. You have a legal justification to give somebody a no trespassing notice. Right. Yeah, but you don't have the right to keep them there while you yeah. have it. <laughs> you can't like to shoe them off. You don't get to hold them. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm unless, your you're, house. unless you're at a store <laughs> and you, unless somebody's stealing from you at a store, you could detain them there to get the information. Hypothetically, that of course, if, let's say someone breaks into your house and they harm somebody, like they could hurt them, they could murder them, and you have a firearm or something else and you're able to subdue this person while you're calling the police. I don't imagine that the police are going to be. Like, oh, we're going to arrest you for abduction because the person murdered this person in the right. holding for us. But also, aren't, aren't you forgetting that uh, that common law still allows citizens to do a citizen arrest? I ain't forgetting, sh- committed, I ain't forgetting shit, Alberto. I know you don't forget anything. You're, forget nothing. Like, but seriously, I mean, the case law says that a citizen can detain someone if they commit a misdemeanor in their presence. Not a felony, just a misdemeanor. So yeah. if somebody's trespassing on your land, I guess you would have to have given that person notice beforehand for it to be trespassed. But if somebody breaks in your house, you don't just have to say, shoo, 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 be gone, shoo, fly, and never get the name of the person. You say be gone. You know, be gone. You know, leave me alone, sir. Please don't come back when I'm not here. No, I think you have a right to identify this guy. Would it have been different if this was just someone else, not an agent of the Commonwealth who came up and wouldn't leave the property or came up trespassing on the property and say, hey, what are you doing? Would that be legal justification? I kind of think it would be. Well, the citizen's arrest, I just want you to understand the citizen's arrest statute is not, like it says a breach of the peace or a felony. So it doesn't say any misdemeanor. Oh, breach of the peace. Let's, what's a breach of the peace? Exactly. There's, okay, a reckless driving? There's a court that said in Virginia that says the danger inherent in drunk driving was sufficient to allow a citizen's arrest for that offense. Okay. But there seems to be a sort of a common law out there. That's why lawyers will tell you, unless it's something significant, let the police handle these things, right? Uh, but if you say trespassing, you probably do have to say shoo shoo. Shoo shoo, shoo fly. But the LPOs are not agents of the Commonwealth, and they have the authority to. Keep somebody. But that's under a statute. Right. Okay. It's not under the citizen's arrest statute. That's actually under its own statute. But it's the same. Why do they get afforded the right? Because we wrote a statute. I understand that. But does it make, I'm just, I'm just. Hey, Alberta, there's a statute. (laughs) There's a law. Is there a statute on this? Yes. Uh, It's it's cited in that opinion we're reading about abduction today. But listen. It's, my point is, why do they give that benefit to lost property? Is it a money thing? And then a private citizen can't stop somebody from stealing them and get the information? 182105.1. Yes, it's a money thing. They have a better lobby than just regular private citizens. I mean, I'm just saying it's wrong. You're going to detain people? If somebody is stealing from me, I, you know, even if it's a misdemeanor, 
I think I should be able to stop that person and say, hey, I'm stopping you. I'm not letting you go. I got the legal justification to keep you here to find out, A, what your name is and to get my stuff back. I don't have to use violence. I'm not using violence. Well, there's a claim of right to asking for your stuff, but you can't hold them unless it's a felony. So over $1,000. Let's say someone embezzled over $1,000 from your firm. Seems So I just valued my... But like you said, it's going to come down to the judge or jury hearing the facts. And if they believe that under those facts and circumstances with the law that they're given, does that rise to abduction or doesn't it? Because you know, if this case was heard... It, obviously, a general district court judge found it wasn't enough, and then they went upstairs, and it was a different story. So we know across the Commonwealth of Virginia, you're going to get different rulings with different judges, different juries, and it always comes down to the facts and how they apply that to the law. In this case, you know, you had a man screaming at a woman, right? You had very intemperate behavior. I mean, you've yelled at me a few times during the podcast. Are you intimidated? <laughs> he hasn't yes. kept you on the lake. <laughs> Do you feel abducted? Do you have to stay in your room? No, that's why we moved to Zoom. We have never been live. <laughs> now you're just making shit up. <laughs> it's called a joke. I'll just say, if some like crazy dude blocked my car in some rural road where I didn't have cell service and started screaming at me, I would not be happy about life right then. I would be calling the police as this lady did. Because it's scary. Do I think it's a felony? And he also told her she couldn't leave till he was getting his answer. Like, he made it clear, like, they weren't (laughs) budging. Like, right. He also, as you said earlier, he also told on himself. He also told the police that she can't leave until she, I mean, but, you know, I think a lot of us know this guy. Like, this guy, a lot of us have met him, not just his clients. I have perhaps hypothetical friends or family members who feel like this is an appropriate way of communicating with other people to get their answers. And they say stuff like, I just tell it like it is. And, you know, the government can go whatever. And I'm like, well, that's great, but maybe just try not to get arrested. So, I mean, I think the court is responding to the fact that this guy really lost his cool. If you read the opinion, they said a reasonable trier of fact could have found under those circumstances that it was enough. And that's why they upheld it. And that's what it's going to come down to for any case that's before a court or a judge or a jury. I mean, it's really hard to win an appeal based on the insufficient evidence. It's it's really hard to win that appeal, period. It is. And I say the rational trial. The moral of the story is we're saying let them go. (laughs) Right. Do not block people in. And also just like, I think this guy to a certain extent, when he didn't take that disorderly offer, he was standing on principle. If that is the reason you're not taking a deal and exposing yourself to a felony, you need to take a moment and calm down and realize that's a huge gamble. Because as you can see, the behavior really talked about here, we all know this guy. We all have this person. We don't see this as the worst thing that anybody's ever done. It doesn't seem to me like felony behavior. And I think when the prosecutor had this case at first, he offered a non-felony type of charge of disorderly conduct. So that's what he saw it to be. Now, if I were the prosecutor, I would have kept the disorderly conduct charge and not indicted him on the felony of abduction. I do think that that is hitting this nail too hard. But you know, unfortunately, that's not what the prosecutor did. And the guy has to live with the fact that he stood on principle and he's felon for the rest of his life. But it's just something anybody has to consider when we do things that we just don't think are that big of a deal. When you read this opinion, you just doesn't, again, it sounds stupid. It sounds like poor behavior. It just doesn't sound like a felony. But regardless, things that don't sound like felonies can end up being them. So listen to Tony and take that deal. Don't and this particular out. felony 
was very easy for this guy to stumble into without really knowing what he was doing. Exactly. In fact, he confessed to most of it, right? That's to Alberto's favorite thing, and Tony, shut the front door. <laughs> right? Are you just yes. not talking now because we've been Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not talking because every time that noise comes up, I, I get blamed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't either. Yeah. It's my soul leaving me. That's his so soul Alberta leaving because we won't let him. Yeah. <laughs> we abducted his soul. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Crime Time. Please join us again for our next episode. If you enjoy our podcast, Crime Time with Virginia Defense Attorneys, be sure to share our podcast with someone that you know. You can find our podcast on most of the major platforms like Spotify, Google, and Apple, as well as some of the smaller podcast platforms. We also post on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So you can find our episodes there every week on Tuesday at 9 a.m. If you want to leave us a review or a comment and tell us what topics you'd like to hear about, we always welcome feedback and we're always looking for new ideas and guests to bring onto our show. We hope you keep listening and thanks for being a supporter of our podcast. Thank you.